All right, friends, welcome into first post-game football show of the 2020 season here on Maze and Brew, flying solo uh, late into the evening here on Saturday night into Sunday. Uh, team site producer, managing editor, Anthony Broom. After, honestly, uh, maybe one of the most satisfying week ones uh, for us as people that follow the Michigan Wolverines that, that I can remember. Michigan State goes down to Rutgers, heading into rivalry week next week. Indiana finally gets it done against a top 10 team and, and honestly was probably the most entertaining ending to a game of the the 2020 season that I've watched so far. I haven't watched all the games. Um, and obviously with Michigan, and I want to start here with Michigan. This is my initial takeaway. We have seemingly finally finally transitioned into the second wind of the Jim Harbaugh era, the the new era of Jim Harbaugh football at Michigan. Not because of what we saw on the field, but because he's not wearing khakis anymore. The man was in blue pants on Saturday night, as which uh, Maria Taylor on ESPN totally... I mean, we're waiting for news on Dax Hill's injury. We're hoping there wasn't a phantom torn ACL somewhere on the field on Saturday night. And she teased it up like, oh, we have it's a big, you know, big development. And then she goes, oh, Jim Harbaugh's wearing blue pants and it pans down to his pants. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, we're already kind of wind up. We're waiting for Dax Hill news. We'll, we'll get to that soon. But uh, seriously, though, as we talk about the second wind of the Jim Harbaugh era, as we talk about, you know, heading into year six of the Jim Harbaugh era, things that we've seen play out on the field. I really do think you can make the argument. And Michigan goes to Minnesota, wins 49-24, moves to 1-0 on the season. They were a three-point favorite coming into this game. Uh, the over-under was set at 53.5, I believe. Uh, easily shattered that, almost did it on their own. My initial takeaway is that I think this is one of the most complete efforts of the Jim Harbaugh era. I think this is one of the best wins of the Jim Harbaugh era. And I really do think from a physicality standpoint on both sides of the ball, from an offensive identity standpoint, from a, you know, we know what their defense is going to be. They have some work to do there. We'll talk about that. This felt a lot like that 2016 team from, and I know that that last game in Columbus kind of broke them and they've been kind of, they've been working their way back to that since then. 2018 was kind of a tease, but then we know how that year ended. This felt, this felt like real progress. And I know Minnesota was, was without seven guys, uh, really two their The right side of their offensive line did not play. Their entire kicking game did not play, which it was not fun to see Michigan's special teams kind of, play down to that level. We'll talk about that as well. But I think from a a poise standpoint, I mean, let's I'm going to run through let's run through the scoring summary first. So Michigan starts off this game Joe, the Joe Milton era begins at Michigan with Michigan offense has the ball and I think it was the first snap of the game where we get that long pass to Blake Corum. And then from there Ben Mason takes a bad penalty. Joe Milton, it was either, I forget the sequence of it, but he rolled out of a clean pocket and then he missed on a, on a throw. And then you come out to punt, 
which would wind up being the only time that you punted in this game, and the punt gets blocked. And Minnesota comes right back and scores. And then we're sitting here going, oh God, here we go again. But something that I was really impressed with was every time that Minnesota had a jab to throw, and a lot of times, and I know it's a weird year, there's no fans, and I think that might play a part in all this. But every time that Minnesota threw a jab, Michigan not only had a counter punch, they had a sucker punch for it. And ultimately, they win this thing going away. So after Minnesota's first score of the game, Michigan comes back on the following drive. 11 seconds later, a 70-yard touchdown run from Zach Charbonnet. They would follow that up in the first quarter with a 15-yard fumble recovery uh, from Donovan Jeter on a play that was forced by Mike Barrett. Uh, Minnesota answers with a 29-yard field goal, and the score is 14 to 10. Oh, I'm sorry. There was one more touchdown. Uh, ben Mason scores a f- on an eight-yard pass from Joe Milton. was 21 to 10 after the first quarter. And, and you're sitting there going, wow, it looks like they're cooking right now. Uh, in the second quarter, Minnesota answers with a 16-yard rush from Muhammad Ibrahim. Uh, Michigan would score two four-yard runs from Hassan Haskins to take a 35-17 lead heading into halftime. Then from there, a five-yard run in the third quarter from Muhammad Ibrahim again, two touchdowns in the night, five-yard rush, 35-24 Michigan. And Michigan would score the final two touchdowns of the game, a two-yard run from Joe Milton and a five-yard run from Chris Evans in the fourth quarter. This game would end 49-24. So that's your scoring summary. Uh, Let's jump back and do a takeaway here. I, I... I talked about the the punch, the counter punch. I think the most important thing that we saw tonight, aside from the offense, we're going to talk about the offense. You saw energy and high effort when things weren't going well. And it hasn't always been that way. The, The game that I was, you know, I was on the field at times for the bowl game last year. I was on the field at the end of the Notre Dame game in 2018. You know, you see on TV the body language, the guys on the sideline. A lot of times when when things do not go well for them, you see the deer in the headlights look. You see heads hanging low. You see really bad body language. Wisconsin last year, um, I know there were former players criticizing them for you know not helping their teammates off the field and things like that. Tonight I saw high energy. I saw poise. I saw kind of an unflappable demeanor. And this is where I, I think that for the first time in the Jim Harbaugh era, and I'm ready to say this after one game because this is <laughs> we're doing overreactions and such. It's one game, but Michigan has taken on Michigan has always kind of taken on the identity of its quarterback. And in this game, they had a quarterback who who did a great job taking what the defense gave him. I saw a Michigan team on Saturday night that took on the demeanor of its quarterback. A lot, a lot of times people say, oh, they, you know, this team has taken on the demeanor of its head coach. Uh, I think in college football, you take on the demeanor of your starting quarterback. And that's why you've seen some of these, and I'm not dogging anyone else, but you know, Shea Patterson wasn't a rah-rah guy, and the body language at times wasn't great when he made mistakes. But Michigan didn't ever seem bothered by any of the mistakes that were made early on in this game. And and after the they punted on the first drive, uh, the offense pretty much 
scored on every drive the rest of the night. Most of them, you would have had more points if uh, without a couple of missed field goals in there, which that's an entirely different issue that needs to get sorted out. But like I said, I think this is arguably the most poised we've seen Michigan against a ranked, well-coached team on the road under Jim Harbaugh. And there were concerns here and there. And we'll burn through some of those as we continue the show here. But I think this is one of those games, especially when it's your first impression of a team. And it's going to be a, you know, it's going to be a nine-game sprint. Or ten games if you count the Bulls. If we even get that far. The, the numbers, the virus numbers across the country are concerning at the moment. But it's going to be a bit of a sprint. And... You set the bar in game one, and I think the bar was set pretty high tonight. So I liked what I saw. There were concerns. We'll talk about those. Uh, Real quick, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back to kind of burn down some more of the takeaways on both sides of the ball and set up rivalry week heading into next week at Michigan State. So stay tuned. And we are back here on the Mason Brew Podcast recapping a 49-24 victory at Minnesota, Michigan, with one of the more impressive team performances we've seen in the last few years out of a Jim Harbaugh coach team. One of the more impressive performances we saw in all of college football this weekend. They were a favorite coming into the game, but I don't think anybody was was quite expecting that. But believe it or not, I've pretty much spent uh, the first 10 minutes or so of this podcast, and I've talked about Joe Milton, but I, I want to focus on Joe Milton for a second run through his stat line here. So Milton finished the day 15 for 22, 225 yards, one touchdown, no picks. Also had eight carries for 52 yards and a touchdown on the ground. I'm just going to say it right now. Um, i got to go back and burn down the film. I know my guy Steven Ossetowski is already doing that. Whether it's QB power or whatever these these pin and pull concepts were, i got to go back and, and really look at it. But Whatever, whenever Joe Milton runs off the right side of this offensive line, uh, it makes me very happy. That was a lot of fun to watch. And this is where I think, you know, I know people kind of scoffed at Cam Newton comparisons. And, and listen, Cam Newton was one of the best college quarterbacks ever. We're not going there. But I think he does a lot of Josh Allen-y type things. I think that's a little more apt of a comparison. A guy who, listen, if he falls forward, he's so freaking big that he's going to get you three yards just by falling down on the ground and extending his arms. So um, the fact that you have a guy at 6'6", 240, 250, whatever he is, that can really just basically, um, that can run, he's built well, he can plow through people in addition to, and I thought aside from the runs, I thought the pocket presence for the most part was pretty good. Um, You know, 15 for 22, it doesn't really jump off the page, but then you, there were a couple drops. I mean, Eric all dropped a for sure touchdown there. Uh, and no Nick Eubanks tonight, which I think was kind of a big deal, but they did a good job uh, scheming around that. 225 yards, that isn't, that's not crazy. Um, you know, I, I thought that the game plan tonight was, was excellent. It was, it was pick your poison. It was, we're going to run the football. And I do think if this offense is going to hum, that run game is going to have to cook a little bit, and and they did. I mean, 31 carries, 256 yards, five touchdowns. Hassan Haskins, six carries, 82 yards. Zach Charbonnet had the 70-yard touchdown run, and, and he had four carries, but he did end up with just those um, those 70 yards, which 
Um, we'll have to see what was going on there. I did think it was a little weird that they went away from him. Uh, we talked about Milton. Blake Corum had five uh, runs for 24 yards. Chris Evans got into the end zone, five carries for 19. Giles Jackson had a carry. A.J. Henning had a carry. Um, so seven rushers. And then you talk about spreading the ball around, 15 completions to nine receivers tonight. Ronnie Bell was your leading receiver with four catches for 74 yards. Um, something that stuck out to me was earlier in the day after uh, the Ohio State-Nebraska game, Urban Meyer was on, and I know the mention of him will make people skin crawl here, but Urban Meyer was on and basically said, you know, you could win a lot of games with the air raid and going four and five wide and things like that, but the great teams are the ones that have balance. And you know, Ohio State showed that on and. And it's too early to say that these two teams are on a collision course, but um, Ohio State showed that on Saturday. I know that uh, you look at the, the team stats. Michigan had 256 yards rushing, 225 yards passing. It just seems like they did a really good job of of taking what the defense gave them, especially Joe Milton. I, I know a lot of people want to see him throw the ball 40 times and and be this Patrick Mahomes type of passer. They wanted the same thing from Shea Patterson in this offense last year. That's not what this offense is. I, I think that they want to be multiple. They are a spread-based West Coast offense. And you're going to, like I said, you're going to spread the ball around. I mean, <laughs> there were three, four players had more than two receptions tonight. Eric All, Roman Wilson had two, for, two catches for 34 yards. It was nice to see him get in there. Blake Corum had the two for 36, had the 24-yard the twenty four catch early on in the game that we talked about Ronnie Bell. Um, you know, Michigan doesn't have a – without Nico Collins, Michigan doesn't have a bona fide go-to number one receiver. But what they might have is a lot of number twos, which – well, that kind of came out wrong, but you guys know what I mean there. Um, you could just go so many different directions, and, and if they're going to load – you know, load the box and stop the run. I think you you have guys that you can get the ball to in the passing game, and if someone emerges as a as someone in the passing game at wideout or tight end that these defenses key on, you've got you've got options all over the place. So, really like what you saw there again. Josh Gaddis really does. You know, throughout last year, it started out rough. Then he came down out of the booth onto the field started calling plays on the field, and really developed a nice feel for the game. And even in the Alabama game, even that, that got away from them late, but uh, I thought for the most part Michigan played pretty well offensively in that game, at least from a play-calling standpoint. So the balance was great. I thought the play-calling was tremendous. Um, the biggest compliment I can give to this Michigan offense right now is that outside of sneaking Ben Mason in there every, you know, and again, Ben Mason giveth, Ben Ben Mason taketh away. You might get a touchdown out of him, but you might get a dumb penalty here and there too. There really doesn't, it feels like the Harbaugh, there used to be that old, it was a sports radio take, it was a Twitter take that, you know, Jim Harbaugh won't give up the reins to his offense. Uh, guys, he has completely given up the reins to his offense. And the fruits of, of Josh Gaddis's labor and his, you know, Harbaugh kind of stepping back and, and being a CEO, um, it's working for them. So I really like what I saw there. The offensive line was great. I know there were concerns about them replacing four or five new starters. Like I said, that right side was mashing all night long. I thought Chuck Filiaga played very well. 
Ryan Hayes at left tackle. You didn't really hear him talked about, which is the highest compliment you can pay a, a left tackle. So things were good there. Andrew Vistardis, the Mack truck, uh, he played pretty well uh, too. So liked what you saw there. Um, talked about talked about uh, the QB power. I, I liked it. It looks like that might be a staple of all this. And, and Joe Milton runs confidently in that. And even there was a QB keeper where it just everything. It just seemed like everything he did was decisive, and and there wasn't a lot of tentativeness there. And Jim Harbaugh said during his press conference that, you know, I was confident that Joe Milton could play this way, and we wanted, you know, we wanted to empower him and let people be surprised by how good he is. And it looks like they have a keeper here now. Did he look like? Let's tap the brakes a little bit here. Did he look like Justin Fields? No. Did he look like Graham Mertz? No, but it's a heck of a start. And, and honestly, one of the, I think the, the highest compliment you can pay to how Joe Milton played on Saturday night is there really aren't, there might be two or three plays where you go, ha, ah, Joe, you probably want to, you probably want to have that one back. You go through and look, go through and watch the film of some of these other Michigan games um, from the last two years, last three years, whatever, since Jim Harbaugh has been there. You probably can't say that too often. So it's good to see that there. Pivoting over to the defensive side of the ball, I thought that uh, the biggest positive to me on defense is that I think just about every player that we heard the preseason hype about had a moment in this game. I thought Mike Barrett, you can make the you can make the argument he was the best player on the field on either side of the ball for either team on Saturday night. That was awesome to see. It doesn't look like Michigan's going to have much of a drop-off at Viper at all. Maybe it winds up being an upgrade. We'll see what happens there. Um, Donovan Jeter had the fumble recovery for a touchdown. Jamon Green was, you know, we talked the, the hype the last few weeks has been Vincent Gray is the unquestioned number one, and Jamon Green is ascending in the leader at number two. Jamon Green was the better corner of the two players today. I know he dropped a few picks, but listen, uh, that's why they're defensive backs. We've been through that before. So I liked what I saw there. Um, Chris Hinton had a few moments. It was unfortunate to see Dax Hill go down, but beneficial for a guy like Makari Page to step in there and get some run. And, and that's when Minnesota started to move the ball a little bit in the second half. And, and we knew that the big key in this game was going to be slowing down the the passing attack of Tanner Morgan and Rashad Bateman. Listen, I mean, for the most part, 18 for 31 out of Tanner Morgan, 197 yards, one touchdown, one pick, 115.6 passer rating. Uh, Joe Milton's was 169.1. So that was the storyline we talked about. The winner of this game was going to be the quarterback that made the least amount of mistakes. That was Joe Milton. Rashad Bateman had nine catches for 101 yards, but... Honestly, they were pretty, I mean, he had a 38-yard catch in there. But honestly, it never felt like he, I mean, you, you look at that and say, oh, it looks like he had a good game. It never really felt like he was, those were pretty low-impact nine catches and 101 yards. So I thought Michigan did a pretty good job there. The run defense is a little, it's not a little bit of a concern. It's a concern right now. Uh, Muhammad Ibrahim had 26 carries for 140 yards and two touchdowns. Not great there. Um, other than that, Trayson Potts, five carries, 18 yards. 
Cam Wiley, three carries for 10 yards. Tanner Morgan, six carries for minus 37, but we know. In college football, sacks count against your rushing yards, which is dumb, and they should change that. So 326 yards of total offense for Minnesota, 197 through the air, 129 on the ground. I know people are going to look, you know, there's a lot of people that kind of nitpicking that they weren't great defensively. And listen, I think that this defense has a lot of talent on it. But I also think that given what they lost, given what they're working through, there's youth there, there's some some pretty good offenses in the Big Ten. And really just the college football this year in general, a lot of shootouts. I think the lack of contact has really cut into the ability to slow down opposing offenses. A lack of contact in terms of the buildup in the preseason, things like that. You know, these, you watch Michigan, Minnesota play on Saturday night. Those are two teams that had about three weeks of padded practices. And usually you get about five or six. So um, you can't, you can't replicate those, those live reps. So it might take a couple weeks for some of these teams, but Michigan physically uh, manhandled this Minnesota team up front on both sides of the ball on Saturday. It was really fun to watch. Really great to see. Defensive line was good. I thought Carlo Kemp had a couple nice plays. Again, Donovan Jeter played well. Chris Hinton played well. You'd like to see them stop the run, and that's, I'm sure that's something that Don Brown is going to go to work on doing. Um, Quiddy Payne, Aiden Hutchinson, what more do you, what can you say about those two guys? Aiden Hutchinson was being held all night long. Quiddy Pay was a little quiet early, but then had, you know, ended the game with three tackles for loss, two sacks. I mean, he's, he's a beast. We know that. Uh, Julius Welshoff, that's a guy that, you know, he had half a sack on the evening, shared it with Cam McGrone, I believe it was. And, you know, that guy, 6'6", 280, to be able to be as explosive and move the way he does and play on the inside, I mean, that's crazy. Um, That's really fun to watch. Uh, Taylor Upshaw got in there tonight. It looks like Ben Mason got in there at defensive line tonight, uh, according to the box score, so that's pretty interesting. Other than that, um... Josh Ross had a pick. That was good to see. He led the team in tackles. Nine. Uh, he had nine of those on Saturday. Listen, I think just all around, in terms of college football in the year 2020, I don't know what else there is to say. I mean, um, good good effort on both sides of the ball. Especially, I mean, good effort. Emphasis on effort. I mean, those, this ki- these kids played hard on Saturday night. And they got down a little bit early. Never shied away from adversity. Got back up, talked about the counter punches. It was pretty much the best case scenario uh, outside of injuries and the run defense for how this season was going to start. So um, Dax Hill, we'll see what happens with him. Didn't disclose the injury. I don't know what it is. I'll have to go back and watch. But that's a guy, You know, he's a tone setter on the back end of the defense. And if he's not out there, your athleticism kind of takes a hit back there. And that's, that's a concern. Uh, your athleticism and your um, versatility. The kicking game was a problem as well. Uh, Quinn Nordine was out. He was also apparently working through something. One of Jim Harbaugh's favorite uh, post-game quotes when it comes to injuries. Jake Moody was 0 for 3, and honestly, um, the one was just bad. The entire process on that last one was just the not a not an awesome snap, not a great hold, and you know, it was what it was there, but uh, you'd have to think that Quinn Nordine is 
if he didn't win the kicking battle, that he's right back in it now. So uh, Harbaugh said that he was healthy and then had a setback last week. So uh, I'm pretty sure he warmed up. Again, I wasn't there this week. Um, but based on the beat writers that there, that were there and the takeaways that were coming out from those guys, it appears that was the case. So other than that, that's pretty much all I have. Uh, Michigan 49-24 winners over Minnesota. The Little Brown Jug stays in Ann Arbor where it will stay through at least 2023, I believe. We're going to see them mess around with these Big Ten schedules in the next couple of years due to, um, well, <laughs> do I even need to say it? State of the world, the rescheduling everything. So we'll see what happens there, but uh, good win for them. A ranked win on the road, which is, those have been hard to come by under Jim Harbaugh. You get Michigan State next week, who lost at home to Rutgers. Turned over the ball, I think, seven times. I mean, if the team that we saw Saturday comes out against Michigan State and and that team is not ready to play, might be more than 49 points on the board next week. So, well, it's uh, it's Paul Bunyan week. It's Michigan State week. We're going to have a lot of great content on the site, a lot of things to wrap up from this game. Uh, shout out to Trevor Woods, who kind of tagged team Saturday night with me. Uh, in terms of the written content on the site, Shout out to the Discord server set up by Steven Asentoski. Shout out to the staff for all the work that they put in. Um, week one is down. We have hopefully eight more of these at least. And then the bowl game, whatever that winds up being, maybe uh, nine or ten more of these. Uh, the college football hype pays off. I don't know. It's too early for all that stuff. But everything looks honest. The first test passed and to me passed with flying colors. I don't know how you can sit here and be upset with anything you saw on Saturday night. So you can follow me on Twitter at Anthony T broom, follow the website at maize and brew, download maize and brew podcasts, wherever you get your shows, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher. That's it for us. We'll be back. Thanks for joining another post game edition of the show. Michigan is one and Oh, 18 in the rankings, but by the next time we chat, they will probably be much higher than that. So I've been Anthony broom. You've been listening to the Maze and Brew Podcast.